whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, old favor one, the Lord is with you. But she, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what, what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be the son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Uh, this is God's word, and it's given to us for our good. Let's pray. Uh, dear gracious Father, we thank you that you are a God who is with us and for us. Uh, we thank you for this time called Advent where we can cry out to you to remind us of your sweet mercy for us, that you are a God who is with us, a God who is for us. And, uh, and again, we pray, um, we pray as we come together as your people uh, that you would break in on us, just like you broke in uh, on this virgin, uh, this 14-year-old girl uh, in a little town called Nazareth. Uh, may you come and break into our lives and remind us of your, your mercy and your grace and your love for us. Um, that, that we would respond in faith as, we, as you do so. And we just pray all this in your great and wonderful name. Amen. Well, a little over a year ago, July 2014, uh, Nikki, my wife, uh, and I got in a car to celebrate our ninth wedding anniversary. Uh, as we were pulling on the drive thing, driveway, the first thing my wife said to me was this, uh, Tommy, I think I'm pregnant. Um, as we were driving and thinking about all the what ifs, you know, we're driving to celebrate our ninth anniversary and we were like, you know, what if we're pregnant? What if we're not? You know, so we didn't want to do that whole what if game uh, through a whole celebration of our ninth anniversary. Uh, so we, we did what any wise, um, smart couple would do. Uh, we drove to Target, uh, got a pregnancy test, um, went to the cashier. Uh, he noticed what we were buying and that was the only thing we were buying. And he's like, so how are you doing? Um, I said, I'll tell you in five minutes. Um, so there, Target, family restroom, we found out that we were with child uh, on our way to our anniversary. Uh, we were with joy and excitement um, and excited. Um, just imagine the, mo the motions with Mary here, uh, the unexpected surprise. Uh, one who hasn't celebrated her anniversary yet, who hasn't even celebrated her wedding yet, that God shows up in an angel named Gabriel and says, you will be a child. Just imagine the motions. Um, and we see a taste of that here. Uh, we see God breaking in on Mary. And at the same time, we see God breaking in on us. Um, 
And that's what Advent's about. That's what God's first coming's about. That's what his second coming will be about, that our God comes in and breaks in on us, that he comes and changes everything, just like a first or second, or in our case, a thirdborn. And here, Mary's firstborn literally will change everything for her and will change everything for all of history of who this is. And so this morning, we're going to look as we are reminded of the wonder of God coming and breaking in on us. Um, we're going to look at three things. Um, we're going to look at the greeting of his kingship, the message of his kingship, and the response of his kingship. First, the greeting. The first way that God breaks in on Mary is that he greets her. Um, he, and he greets her with her favor. Uh, listen to these verses, verses 28. Uh, and he came to her, the angel, and said, Greetings, O favor one. The Lord is with you. And I want you to consider this question. How does God, how does Jesus feel about you? I mean, seriously, think about it. Have you ever thought about it? See, the reality is this, that we often spend a lot of time thinking and wondering what we think of Jesus. The major concern in our lives is what does Jesus think about us? Um, this past year, one of my friends passed away. And we were at the service, and, my, and the pastor over and over again said, said about this young man that he liked Jesus. He loved Jesus. He liked him. Um, and, the, and the real question came to my mind is this, is what does Jesus think about him? Uh, it means everything to have God's favor. And here in this passage, we see God coming to this little girl in this little town and says, oh, favor one. And the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that, the, that God shows up, that he breaks into our lives, and he shows his favor to unfavorable people, unlikely people. And again, as we compare and contrast, if we had time, if you look at the story above this was uh, um, Zechariah. I mean, he was a priest. He was a, a Levite. He was the man. I mean, of course, he is going to get an appearance uh, as they announced John the Baptist being birthed through his family. Uh, but the one who Jesus will be born to is a 14-year-old girl in a little city called Nazareth where we will later find out that nothing good comes from. Uh, that God shows his favor uh, to, uh, to people unexpectedly. And I, I want to ask you this. Have you ever felt the unexpected favor of God? Has, there, has God ever come to you in the most unexpected times to show you and to remind you of his favor? Um, recently, I read a story of an angel tree. Uh, angel tree is this ministry to, uh, with prison fellowship. Uh, usually they're in malls. Uh, there's usually a big tree. There's ornaments with kids' names on them. Uh, and and you go and you pick a name off, and the kid represents um, either father or mother who's in prison, um, and you can pick a child, buy a gift for that person, and they would give that gift uh, with the father or mother's name on it. And so there's a story that I read where there's a certain uh, angel tree in the city or in this mall in North Carolina uh, right next to a fountain, uh, and there was a young kid named Damon. Uh, and each day he would run up to this mall, uh, he would look at this tree, and he would look at this ornament with his name on it. He was waiting and longing for someone to pick him. 
Um, so each day he would go up there, run up to the tree, look for his ornament, and it was still there. And he would do it the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And then finally, the day came when Damon ran to the mall and looked at that tree, and he saw that his name was gone. Someone had picked him, and he was so overwhelmed by someone choosing him, he charged the volunteer, working the angel tree booth, and jumped into her arms, and they both fell into the fountain. He was so overwhelmed and relieved. And that ought to be you. I can't imagine out of all people, God has picked me. It should amaze us that God has put his favor upon us. We have done nothing to earn his favor. Actually, we have done plenty to earn his disfavor. We need to be amazed that God has put his favor on us. You and I need to be amazed that our God has picked us. And the reality that God often chooses the unlikely. I mean, think about it. Think about the whole storyline of the Bible. Abraham and Sarah, the one who would be the father of many nations. If you know anything about Abraham, you would not have picked him. Um, um, even their age, um, they would, there's no way they would have had a child. David, this mighty king, a little shepherd boy, God picks him. He picks a Moabite woman named Ruth uh, to be the great-grandmother of David. Uh, picks in Luke chapter 1 and picks a, a barren woman named Elizabeth. And here he picks a virgin from Nazareth to be the mother of Jesus. Throughout the storyline of the Bible, the storyline of the Bible, God picks the unlikely. And if you are a Christian, you need to be amazed that God has broken into your life and has picked you. That he has chosen you to give you his favor. So if you're a Christian this morning, take this season of Advent to let God remind you of his favor upon you. The second phrase in this greeting is that the Lord is with you. Another question I have for you is this. Is, have, you, have you ever heard these words that actually meant something to you? That the Lord is with you. And the second thing the angel said here to Mary is that the Lord is with you. One of my favorite phrases throughout the Bible is this phrase. Over and over again, God uses this phrase to remind his people and to remind us that our God is with us, that our God is one who will never leave us or forsake us. And if you read throughout the Bible, over and over again, God is described as one who is with us, that our God who is so powerful that he created everything is also the same God who is with us, that he is so tra transcendent, but he's so intimate that he he has this personal relationship with us, that he is a God who is with us. Um, you know, this is one of my favorite phrases in the Bible because I need to hear these words. Mary needed to hear these words, and I would assume you need to hear these words as well. Uh, that our God is with us. Going through just the stress of life, maybe without a job, sickness, coming out of the week of Thanksgiving, that our God, the same God who created everything, and the same God that we read in Colossians 1, who is holding all things together, and the same God who will come back and make all things right, is a God who is with you. And the question I have for you this morning, has that really sunk down deep in your soul? 
that God, the creator of all things, is a God who is truly with you in the good days and with the bad. And here, God comes to Mary and is going to radically change her life. And he says, the great favor of God is upon you and the Lord is with you. And I would imagine that those two truths, those two greetings would radically shape the rest of her life and the news that is about to come. So again, this season, this season of Advent, ponder those words. Let those words be real each day that our God is a God who is with us. So we see the the greeting of his kingship. Second, we see the message of his kingship. The second thing we see in this passage of God breaking in is the very message of his kingship. Um, We see an angel comes to Mary and and communicates that she's going to have a baby. But this baby is not just going to be any average Joe. That he he will be one who will take the throne and his kingdom will have no end. That this This baby is going to be a king, that he is a king, that he is the most high. Um, And the reality is this, especially us for Americans, this whole idea of God being king is a little bit strange to us, Um, because we don't have a king. Uh, We have a president, we have a democracy. Uh, But here, listen to these verses of God breaking in to be our king. Again, Luke chapter 1, verses... 32 and on. It says, the Lord your God, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Um, these, these, these words tell us about who he is, the message of his kingship, that he will have a throne, that he will reign, and that he will have a kingdom. And what makes us strange to us, this whole idea of God being king, is uh, because we're not sure what to do with kings. Um, We see uh, we like a democracy. We like having a choice. Um, We see what's going on in the Middle East. That's not really attractive to us. And their democracy is what the whole world is kind of going towards. And this rule by a king seems weird to us, and we're not sure about the whole idea. Uh, C.S. Lewis has described... This whole, this whole reason that we long for a democracy. Um, he puts it this way. He says, A great deal of democratic democrat enthusiasm descends from the ideas of people like Rousseau, who believe in a democracy because they thought mankind is so wise and so good that everyone deserves a share in the government. The danger of defending democracy on those grounds is that they're not true. I find that they're not, they're not true with, without looking farther than myself. I don't deserve a share in governing a hen roost, much less a nation. The real reason for democracy is mankind is so fallen that no man can be trusted with unchecked power over his fellows. The reason that we don't want one person over us is the reality that none of us are good. None of us can be trusted by ourselves. But what the Bible is showing us is that we have a king who has come and who is coming who we can trust. So if there could be a king who's not limited in his wisdom and power and goodness and his love for his subjects, 
then a monarchy would be the best of all governments. If such a ruler could ever rise in the world with no weakness, no folly, nor sin, then no wise or humble person would ever want a democracy again. See, this passage and what C.S. Lewis is reminding us is that we need a king, we want a king, and this passage is reminding us that our God is our king. That he is the only one who can be trusted. He's the only one who can rightly rule over us. To rule over us, to protect us, and take care of our enemies. And the real question is not whether, has, whether God broke into the universe as king. Is, the reality is he did. The question is what kind of king is he? And what difference, what difference would his kingship make for you? So here in Luke 1, the writer Luke is telling us that this baby named Jesus is the king of the universe, that he is going to come and reign and rule forever. And the question is, what are you going to do with his kingship? Are you going to trust this one to be over you? Um, And again, the message of the Bible is that we need a king, and we have a king that can be trusted in Jesus. We need a king to rule us. We need a king to protect us. And we need a king to fight for us. Uh, the shorter catechism of the Westminster, Westminster Confession of Faith describes Jesus' kingship this way. Uh, how does Christ execute the very office of a king? Christ executes the office of a king in subduing us to himself, in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all, and our, all of his and our enemies. Again, we have a king that can be trusted. One who will rule over us rightly. One who would fight for us and one who would protect us. And the the great thing about this kingship, the great thing about this passage is this. What we see is this king who is um, is the most high. That he is, his kingdom will not end. And the reason we can trust this king is that we see that the most high became the most low so that we might get the most favor. By him coming to earth, by him, the king of the universe, the one, again, who created everything, and the one who's holding all things together, the one who is the most high became the most low in a form of a baby, as a human, so that we might get the most favor so that we know that we can trust this king with our whole lives. So the question is, do you trust this king? Do you trust this great one who who has come low so that you can get the very favor of the king? Um, Again, the heart and the unique message of the Bible is that the transcendent immortal God came to earth himself to become weak, become vulnerable, to suffer and to die. And that's the message of Christmas, that the most high became the most low so that we can get the most favor. That's the message of Christmas. So we see the the greeting of his kingship, of his favor, and that he is with us. We see the message of his kingship that the most high became the most low so that we, become, we can get the most favor. And lastly, we see his, the response to his kingship. 
Um, we're going to look at this response. And again, as we look through the, Joe noted this earlier, that there are key responses throughout the whole gospel of Luke. Um, and if you looked at the whole chapter of the gospel of Luke, chapter one, uh, you see two announcements of uh, pretty remarkable pregnancies. Um, you have um, Zacchaeus and Elizabeth, who's barren. Her, na- her nickname was Barren, and she becomes pregnant. Um, and you see in that story the response of unbelief. And here with Mary of a virgin who's never had sex, who gets pregnant, responds in faith and believes. Um, so I think it's important, you know, just a side note. I think it's, as we read the Bible, I think it's very important to compare and contrast, especially when two responses of two different people come back to back from one another, um, as we see here in, in Luke chapter one. Um, but this morning, we're gonna look at Mary's response. And we're gonna see in this passage that the angel speaks three times and Mary responds three times. And so what can we learn the first way Mary responds is that she took, uh, she took the angel's message seriously. Uh, again, uh, her first response we read in verse 29. Um, I'll start in verse 28. Uh, it said, the angel came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. Um, and there in um, verse 29, the word there uh, means wonder, uh, actually means logic or to, to reason with intensity. So an angel shows up right in front of her, um, and what she does is, is that she uses logic and reason, is the, what Luke is trying to get across, is that she didn't take it by blind faith. Um, and it's not every day that an angel um, probably in this case, a nine-foot angel pops in front of you. Um, you know, we, often Christians think we are people who just take things um, with no investigation, uh, no pondering, no wondering. And here what Mary, an angel comes to her and she ponders, she wonders, she reasons, she logics, she takes this seriously. Uh, she just doesn't move on. Uh, uh, but she takes this uh, seriously. Um, now it's just as hard for Mary uh, to believe this uh, as it is for us today. Um, and the question I have for you this morning is this, is do you take the gospel message seriously? Have you investigated it? Have you really searched it? Have you used all the logic and reason, re- reason um, that you have to investigate this message? to think through it, to ponder it, to wonder what kind of message this is? Or have you just taken it? Or some of you are probably not even Christians, uh, that you come here probably because it's a holiday weekend, uh, you're here with a loved one. And this passage is urging us to take God's message to us seriously, um, to wonder at it, um, to be amazed by it. So we see here that Mary uh, takes this message, took this message seriously. Second way that Mary responded uh, is that she expressed her doubts openly. Uh, Mary says to the angel, 
In verse 34, um, again, I'll start at 30. And it says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will be with him. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? So Mary responds with an open doubt, with an open question. How in the world is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. There is no way. She knew enough biology that no, there's no way for her to be pregnant. Um, And she wonders. um, um, And we often think doubt or questions are bad in the Christian Christian world. Um, Here I find it wonderful um, because Mary never expressed this question. We would never have the answer. And the answer here is probably what has given, given me and you a lot of comfort, that there's nothing impossible with God. That's the angel response, is that there's nothing impossible with God. And so, um, and again, look at the whole storyline of the Bible. Uh, uh, Genesis 15 to, as one example, where Abram, there God comes to Abram and says, you're going to be a father, and you're going to be the father of many nations. And there in um, Genesis 15, the whole scene where God takes Abram out into the outside and says, hey, look at the stars. Even if you can count them, those are going to be the number of your offsprings. And the next verse is, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. You know, for us as Protestant, Reformed, Presbyterians, that's the proof text for us believing that, that people are saved by faith alone. And what amazes me is the next verse. Abram says, how can I know that this will be true? Over and over again, the the Bible gives us the freedom to take God seriously enough that we can give him his questions, our questions, and our doubts. That we can go to him. Again, the, the beauty of the Christian message is the most high God has become the most low so that we can get the most favor that we can have an intimate relationship with God, that we can give him our real questions and our real doubts, uh, and he will listen to us. That we, ha- we don't have a God who's out there far away, but we have a, a God who has drawn near to us, who longs to hear our hearts, longs to hear our questions, and longs to hear our doubts. So Mary responds with her doubts openly. How can this happen? And again, one of the greatest statements in the Bible, and that's the answer to our question, that nothing will be impossible with God. You probably have questions about certain situations in your life, that you feel God is telling you something and you're wondering, how is this going to be? How is this going to happen? This journey that I'm on seems like there is no end. And our God comes to us this morning and reminds us that he is with us. 
and that there's nothing impossible with him. So we see that Mary responds by taking this message seriously, by expressing her doubts, and lastly, she responds by surrendering completely. Um, We'll start in verse 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So here Mary hears those words, nothing is impossible with God, and she surrenders. She surrenders to the one who does the impossible. Mary says, let it be. I mean, just imagine what's going through Mary's mind. She is a single, not married yet, pregnant woman. Everybody is going to look at her a whole different way, and she knows it. But she knows that her God's with her. She knows that the king in the universe has given her her favor. And she looks even at what has gone before you, that God has done mighty things before her with Elizabeth, her cousin. And God has done amazing things with her. And she gives over completely. Let it be. Joseph's not going to probably believe this one. But let it be. Because I know you're with me. I know that you have given me all your favor because you are the most high. And you are the one who have become the most low so that I can get the most favor. So I can know that you are God who's with me and for me. See, Mary set aside her plans for God's plans. Um, This Advent season, uh, what plans is God asking you to set aside for him? How are you going to respond to this this message of Christmas? Um, This greeting of our Lord and Jesus that he has come to us with his favor to remind us that he is with us um, and that he has a kingdom that will not end. Um, That he is a good king, a mighty king, a king that will rule over us, that will guide us, that will protect us. And we'll fight for his and our enemies. I mean, do you know that king? Do you know that Jesus this morning? And this reality of his kingship coming forth in our world and in and through you, how's that gonna change you? How's it gonna refresh you this morning and this Advent season? So, again, how are you gonna respond to God's greeting? to his message of his kingdom. How are you going to respond to this message, this Advent season, that the most high God became the most low so that you can receive the most favor? Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, we thank you again that you are a God who's with us, a God who is for us. Um, I pray as we uh, ponder your word, that we would be people who would take it seriously. Uh, that we would 
investigate it, that we would get to know your word, that we would read it, that we would search it and get to know it. Um, uh, I pray that we would people who would actually express our doubts to you, uh, that we would pray to you, uh, that we would offer up our desires, our questions, our doubts to you, uh, because you're a God who is personally with us. Uh, You're not far away, but you have drawn near to us. And I pray that that truth and that reality would, would break into our lives a new way this morning. That it would refresh us. You know, the, the Christmas season is here and we see all the lights and all the joy around us. And often our hearts do not feel the same way. I pray this morning that you would break into our hearts to refresh us, to renew us, that you are the almighty one, that you are the great one. that you are the most high and that you became the most low so that we can get the most favor. I pray that that would sink deep down in our hearts so we can approach you differently, that we can approach our neighbor differently, and we can approach this world differently this Advent season. We pray all this in your great and wonderful name. Amen.